How would you like to know the secret to prospecting new business? And not just any prospects, but a way to connect with new business leads that actually pan out. As a small business owner, you can't afford to waste time or money and you need results. Now, I can personally tell you that the answer is not in those Facebook ads we see with the rich guy on a private jet telling you that he has the secret to making a million in sales in just 30 days if you buy his 10-step program that comes on 20 different DVDs which I now know I should have seen as a red flag right there. No, today you'll get the secrets for free. No strings attached. If you Google the definition of spam, you'll get two options, either of which are very appealing. One is for a canned meat made mainly from ham. Mainly? I do not want to know what else they're using. The other option, though, isn't much better. Irrelevant or inappropriate messages sent to a large group of people on the internet. The first email advertisement was sent back in 1978, and I'm pretty sure whoever received it was angry and put it in their junk folder. Today, some 320 billion spam emails are sent every day. In fact, half of all global email traffic is spam. And nobody likes spam, right? I mean, spam gives marketing a bad rap. So what are they doing wrong and how can you do it right? Today, we're going to learn how to cast that large net, but do it in a way that is non-spammy, if that's even a word, so that you can deliver new business leads that turn into new customers. Jeff Beals co-hosts the Grow Omaha radio show and podcast, and he is an international sales coach, speaker, and author who trains sales teams every day on how to prospect new business leads. So if we're starting off at square one, ground zero, What's the first thing we need when it comes to prospecting new business leads? First of all, it's a mindset. I mean, as a business, you, you have to be of the mindset that uh, you are obsessed with those people who are not yet your customers, not yet your clients. And you can never have too many people in your pipeline, period, end of discussion. You can never have too many prospects because things happen over the course of time. Current customers leave, hot leads don't pan out. Um, so that that's that's one thing that I always get a little bit frustrated with. For instance, I worked with a manufacturer once. I do a lot of sales training for manufacturing companies. And um, the uh, head of sales said, the operations people are breathing down my neck. They're frustrated because they say we're producing too much business and that we need to slow back because they can't keep up with all of it. What do you think I should do? And you want to know my answer? I said, you should bury the bastards yeah. because, uh, and, not, and no offense to the ops people, yeah. I don't think they're really bastards, but yeah. you should bury them. And you're the not going to literally bury them, but no, yes, I get, I get what bury you're them with business because, and now, and now some operations people and some CEOs might say, Jeff, that's really irresponsible, but I'll tell you what, the moment that manufacturer takes its foot off the gas pedal, you start a series of events which will lead to downtime yeah. and having to eliminate a shift. Note to self, do not mess with Jeff Beals. This guy takes his sales leads very seriously. All kidding aside, what Jeff is referring to is having a scarcity mindset. Having the wrong mindset, a scarcity mindset in sales may seem like foo-foo philosophy, but it is like poison in the veins of your business if you let it creep in. Scarcity mindset is limiting how big the pie is, and if someone else succeeds, then that must mean you automatically lose. Sales and business overall 
is not a zero-sum game. Having an abundance mindset is important for yourself and your team because it helps you focus on the bigger picture and helps leadership recognize your long-term vision. Now, it has been a long time since that first email advertisement was sent back in 1978. So what does prospecting new business leads look like today? Well, uh, first of all, it's the most important thing that anyone in sales does. And I always like to say that the, the reason salespeople are paid on commission and, and, and many times even 100% commission, or at least they have bonuses, is because of prospecting. It's not because you're good at filling out contracts it's not good because you're it's not because you're good at following up after it's, the sale it's not my it's not my good looks and my charm or well, in your case okay perhaps, but right. in my case, i'm the sure exception hell isn't so <laughs> it, it uh, you're paid on commission because people don't like to go approach strangers and ask them for business and i always define prospecting as the act of interrupting someone's day when they don't expect to hear from you in order to provide them with something they need but they might not yet know about yeah okay well interrupting someone's days tough because that triggers our natural fear of rejection and we all have it unless you're a sociopath <laughs> in which case sometimes i envy yeah. sociopaths but <laughs> unless you're a sociopath we all have that fear of rejection yeah and and so the reason they're paid uh, on on commission is because it's not easy to get people to, to do that and so prospecting is the single most important thing that you have to do and you have to be willing to do it all of the time matt i always like to say that prospecting is like brushing your teeth you don't take a day off and hopefully you do it more than once a day. Yes. Getting used to hearing the word no is not an easy thing to do, but you have to reframe it. I mean, how else could actors move forward when they're rejected 99 times out of 100 auditions? And that's probably being generous. You know, to have a Hall of Fame level batting average of 300, that means that you're striking out 70% of the time. A big part of really successful people is taking that failure and turning it into growth. This is what separates elite athletes from the rest of the pack, and they've actually studied this. Elite athletes are able to accept it in the moment. They don't waste any time on it. They don't expend any emotional energy on it. They learn from it and they move on. They compartmentalize it appropriately. So what are some other techniques that are most effective at generating results? One, you want to mix it up a bit. You know, just as a business likes to have multiple streams of income, a salesperson wants multiple streams of prospects. And so you're going to do some social media. You're going to do some networking. You're going to do some email prospecting. You're going to do some telephone prospecting and you're going to do some office pop-ins. You can mix it all up. Now, this is the part that a lot of people listening are not going to like hearing today. And that is the telephone actually <laughs> remains the number one prospecting tool despite all of the new technology we've had when you factor in effort and money put into it and results put out. So. Uh, okay, is showing up and meeting with someone in person a better form of prospecting in terms of results? Hell yes. But is it easier to get a hold of a lot of people on the phone than it is to meet everyone in person? Absolutely no question. So believe yeah. it or not, the lowly old telephone, which is 140, 150 year old technology, is still numero uno. Here's something I never thought I'd say, but cold calling is cool. Oh man, who have I become? Yes, cold calling is cool because it can predict the future. So let's say that my goal is to bring in 10 new customers a month. I start making cold calls and I find out that it takes about an average of 100 cold calls to bring in one new sale. So now I know that I need 1,000 cold calls every month to bring in 
10 new sales. I can expand that from there. I can go from monthly to my quarterly goals and to my annual goals. And pretty quickly, I find out that if I make 50 cold calls a day, I can reach my three-year goal that just a few weeks ago seemed impossible. Now that is pretty cool. So now you've set your goals, but where do you go find these new business leads? What's the next step? First of all, um, you're gonna create a, a social media online presence as fast as you humanly can. But frankly, that's marketing, not sales, okay? The social media stuff gets you credibility and burnishes the brand, and it also gives you access to leads, right? I mean, your connections on LinkedIn can be a lead generation source for your prospecting efforts. But the problem is a lot of people will put too much emphasis on the social media for the prospect, and we can get into that a little bit more moment if you'd like. Um, but, but I think that's the first thing you have to do is establish your brand and that's going to be heavily online, right? And then as far as getting the leads, you think to yourself, okay, who exactly am I going to serve? And you have to know exactly uh, who is in your business's target audience. And you're going to want to start to put together lead sheets of people who meet the criteria that would most benefit from the product or the service that you sell. And then um, I'm going to go back to that telephone again. Um, yes, I believe very heavily in the power of of uh, Zoom and other platforms like that. I use them almost every day in my life. But when I'm first initially gonna reach out to a prospect for the first time, especially if I wanted to hit a lot of prospects who don't know me in a short period of time, I'm gonna use the traditional telephone. Yeah, um, I'm, even, I'm leaving a voicemail. Yeah, even, I'm picking this yeah. up. Oh, yeah, right. if we had more time, I would get into the art of leaving a voicemail. I could do an hour class on, on voicemails. Voicemails are one of the greatest tools we have as prospectors and 80% of sales professionals don't even leave voicemails. Dumbest thing they could possibly do. A 30 to 40 second or less uh, voicemail in the prospecting world is gold. Mm -hmm. um, and also you have to remember when you're cold prospecting, um, it takes on average, let's say you're calling a decision maker, someone who makes significant decisions for a company or an organization, it's taking now between eight and 12 attempts on average to get a live interactive conversation really? with the decision maker. Scares uh, people to death because no one wants to be a pest we all have that fear of rejection yeah, rejection yeah right that's tough to overcome but you have to do it and, and and we're talking about cold people all we're trying to do is to get them to have a meeting with us to get a live interactive conversation with us whether it's in person or via technology is irrelevant yeah. um, so 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 those would be the things that I would do I'd focus on my brand and start to establish online credibility as fast as possible I'd know exactly who I'm serving and I would chase those people as I generate my leads and then for the very first out reaches um like i said earlier people don't want to hear this yeah. but go telephone knowing who you're serving who your audience is knowing who your ideal customer is that is something we have come back to a number of times on the podcast because it's perhaps one of the most important first steps to any aspect of your business and it's unfortunately something many people skip when I coach podcasters, when we're starting out, I ask them, who is your podcast for? Who is your ideal listener? The most common answer I get is, well, everyone. I want everyone to listen. So my podcast is for everyone. Business owners make this same mistake when we think too broadly and vague. Your business can't be everything to everyone. You shouldn't try to be everything to everyone. That's an improbable task for any business, except maybe Costco. I mean, seriously, you can go into Costco today and buy an inflatable boat, a diamond ring, a 72-pound wheel of cheese, and a casket. 
Yeah, you can buy caskets at Costco. Instead, try this. Describe your ideal customer with the same specific details as you would describe yourself. You wouldn't describe yourself as a man or woman with two to four kids married or single with a salary of fifty dollars to $150,000. Being specific and niching down is how to find and best serve your ideal customer. And no, don't stress, we do not alienate people by niching down like we think we will. Instead, we'll actually end up reaching the largest group of people when we focus on one ideal customer. Yeah, you have to know exactly who you're speaking to, and then you have to really spend a lot of time working on your message. Um, I always say the first thing you want to do if you want to have a great message to that person you know you're speaking to is to have a good idea what it is that they truly value and care about without any ambiguity or assumption, okay? And then once I know that, I want to craft messages that I think would really matter to them. You use the example of your wife. She's a crafter, right? But she also has a career. If I approached her uh, talking about something that she's passionate about, in her case, crafting, I'm going to have a lot more success if she's never heard of me and getting a meeting or a conversation with her than if I start bombarding her with the features and benefits of the stuff that I sell or I make the critical error of, uh, her name is Wendy. Yeah. Um, I say, hey, Wendy, uh, Jeff Beals from uh, from Jeff Beals and Associates, we're a sales consulting company. I'd love to stop by your office, pick your brain, take about 30 minutes of your time and see if it's a fit for me to work with you. That's useless and worthless and frankly selfish on my part because I'm asking to steal her time for you're giving no value. You're making it about you instead of the person you're trying Thanks. to help. But even if, I'm, even if the work she does has absolutely nothing with crafting, um, if I approach her from a crafting perspective, for whatever reason, maybe I have expertise in that, I'm gonna have more success in getting that coveted interactive conversation with her than if I just start, as I like to say, vomiting features and benefits all over a poor unsuspecting prospect. Know who your specific customer is and know what makes you unique. Why should they choose you over everyone else? What is that category that you're going to be first in? Now, I mentioned email spam at the beginning of this episode, and email marketing is one of many options for marketing and sales. While everyone has their own opinion on what is the least effective way to prospect new business leads, from email marketing to no, social media, that's the worst, or cold calling, it doesn't work. I think that this statement is the actual truth to settle all debates. There is no wrong tool for you to use. As much as I hate spam, there are extremely effective ways to execute mass email marketing campaigns. The tool that is wrong for you may be what is best for someone else. So stop Googling what is the best sales tool to get new business because it doesn't exist. No CRM is perfect. You know, for me, it might be HubSpot for Marge Yankinson in our billing department. What works best for her is a notebook with stickers and color-coded markers. Focus on what works best for you, what makes you unique, and how to reach your specific ideal customer in the best way possible. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. You have to be very careful which tools you use because uh, you are correct, Matt. There's no bad prospecting tool, just bad execution. And frankly, there's more bad execution of prospecting that I see than good execution. And one of the, the places where I see a lot of bad execution is in social media. 
social media is great. Mm-hmm. I, I've been I've been using social media for my sales training business since I started doing it in 2008, and uh, I've had a lot of success with it. But you got to know what social media is, and that is primarily a marketing and lead generation tool. So I use social media the way a company would use advertising. To me, it's for brand and credibility. Okay, and then if I do a good job with branding and credibility, then I also have access to people through social media platforms to create my lead lists and all that. Now, is it possible that sometimes I will put out a piece of content on social media and it'll impress someone so much, resonate with them so much that they pick up the phone? and schedule me for a a, a $10,000 speech? Yeah, that's happened. Could I live on it? Absolutely no, okay? And so I think people sometimes get frustrated with social media because they don't realize what its limitations are. If your only source of prospecting is gonna be social media, in most cases that's gonna fail unless you have a certain type of e-commerce business in which that might work, but most people don't. Um, most people use social media as a crutch or frankly a cop-out. Give you an example of what I'm talking about. Matt, how many times do you get a LinkedIn invitation from someone who you don't know and uh, you get that little alarm that goes off in your head that they're just gonna try and sell me something? Mm-hmm. And for or whatever reason- Facebook event I- yeah. invite. That's why you know, only 10% of my friends, if that show up, when I invite them to my, my birthday party. But that's a different issue that's for a, a different it's a personal day. Problem. That's a different reason. Yeah. But you're right though, it's not okay. it's personal. But let me ask you this. So, so you get that, right? How many times do you get that, that email? email multiple times a day probably, right? Yeah, and you get a lot of them, yeah. And sometimes you have a weak moment and you click accept, okay? (laughs) How long does it typically take after you click accept before someone is direct messaging you through LinkedIn vomiting features and benefits all over? This is a tip that I found really helps if you're a small business owner and you're doing your own social media marketing. We think that we have to be on every single social media platform all at once from the start, but when we do that, we severely limit our impact and results. So if you have one hour per day or even just 30 minutes each day to dedicate to marketing outreach on social media, I recommend that you don't divide that up into seven different platforms because you'll likely get overwhelmed and frustrated. The quality of your outreach is gonna suffer and odds are you're just gonna give up on most of those platforms, leaving them as just dead pages, you know, laying there, not updated and not getting a response if people message you on them, which is a bad look. And it's an easy way to lose brand equity with your business. So instead, start with just one platform and spend all 60 minutes focused on that single platform. Pick the platform that you actually spend the most amount of time on because that's going to be the platform where you feel most natural and familiar and it's where you've already built up equity and credible authenticity. If it's Facebook, find the Facebook groups where your ideal customer can be found and simply participate in their life. Once you feel that you're just, you know, crushing it on this primary channel, add a new channel and then take the same approach one platform at a time. Oh, absolutely. Like in, in my case, yeah, LinkedIn is my primary social media tool for my um, sales consulting and training business. But I always um, think about ways that I can say little things on Facebook, which reinforce what I do because those 4,000 some people I'm connected to on Facebook are a little more personal than the LinkedIn, okay? But the people that have a little more or a lot of a personal relationship with you can be a big source of business. I once 
back when I was doing commercial real estate brokerage many years ago, uh, once found out about a major real estate purchase that a relative of mine made by reading the business paper. It didn't use me, okay? And and when I talked to the relative about it, the relative said, oh, I forgot that you were in real estate. And so uh, I ever since that day, I have always thought, okay, I need to make sure the people who are in my own backyard, right under my nose, so to speak, remember me and what I do because they're the ones that should be giving me all of their business. Yeah. So so Facebook is very, very important for, for getting new business, but if it's your sole tool, you're probably gonna be eating ramen noodles and going bankrupt. Hey, you have to have, know how it works. And that's why uh, Jeff Beals has an amazing TikTok channel where he does dance off competitions and dance challenges. With no day. shirt on, yeah. Well, I didn't know that was the case i'm glad i'm i'm not so glad i brought that up because people are going to like search for that and it's going to no. <laughs> actually i don't have a tiktok <laughs> i mean i have all the other ones a few final things to consider once you know who your ideal customer is and you know what platform they spend the most amount of time on you also need to know how they use that platform and don't assume that one platform is only for one age demographic or only one type of use in the u.s many assume that tiktok is only for teenagers and yes while 60 percent are between the age of 16 and 24, 30% are in that coveted 25 to 44 demo and growing. And TikTok is also a growing source for where people get their news and information. So it's not just Jeff Beal's dance-off videos all the time, although that would be pretty awesome. We appreciate you, Jeff Beals. Thank you so much for coming on the Omaha podcast. You can reach out to Jeff Beals directly in the show notes. We have the links to his podcast and radio show, Grow Omaha, as well as his website, growomaha.com, where you can hire Jeff to coach up your sales team or come speak to your organization. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the podcast. Hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. The Omaha Podcast is a production of Two Brothers Creative in association with 316 Strategy Group.